Welcome to Cinemaholics. Yes, yes. You're probably sitting there thinking, I can't wait. Will Ashton is back from his vacation. He's going to talk about the Green Knight. No. Will Ashton, you know, I'm sorry to say he sort of abandoned you all. He went on a journey and something about a deal he made last Christmas. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. For some reason, he made it sound like he's never coming back. I don't know. But I know you're excited to hear Will Ashton's voice, but I got I got a special treat for you all instead. Of course, I'm John Negroni, your usual host of Cinemaholics. With me, I have a wonderful special guest. She's been on Cinemaholics many times before. She's the features editor for Screen Rant and one, one, of, one of my longtime uh, film buddies, uh, mentors, uh, masters, weapons masters, all of that kind of stuff. It's Alicia Grasso. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited, very excited to talk about this movie. Alicia, it is one of the buzziest critical darling films of the year. It's a movie called The Green Knight. It was supposed to come out last year. It's the big A24 summer release. And I know there are some listeners who keep track, right, of the movies that Will and I like a lot. And every year, I tend to really gravitate towards summer movies with the A24 banner. It's a coincidence more than anything. Uh, two examples would be like eighth grade favorite movie of 2018 and then also last black man in san francisco my favorite movie of 2019 and it's just it's a bit of a pattern i guess i i was gonna ask you because i know that we've talked about a bunch of films before but i was curious like with a24 what's like what is your take on a24 at this point right because i I don't know what you think of those movies i don't even know what you think of it comes at night i feel like at this point, A24 can, they really can do, do no wrong. <laughs> like every film they put out, it, it they knock it out of the park. And I think they found a really innovative way of staying relevant and, um, you know, really influencing a lot of the conversation, despite the fact they're not one of the major studios, but they've really, really found their brand and their niche or niche. And they really work with it. It's like, it's so hard to put a finger on what exactly makes an A24 movie, but you know an A24 movie when you see one. And then there's those movies that you see and you're like, wait, this isn't A24? What? So I I just, I really think that they have done just an excellent job of carving out a real space for themselves in the industry by making movies that, um, you know, other studios the bigger studios just aren't taking chances on and it always almost always turns out well totally agree i know like we we've gotten to the point where they're such a beloved studio by not just cinephiles but general movie fans like people know that logo right they've really developed a reputation outside of the like you know inner circles if you want to call it that of film critics, film influencers, that sort of thing. There's been a little bit, like I hear rumbling sometimes. I know you always tell me, Alicia, don't go on Twitter, log off. But I do see the tweets. I see some people making fun of A24 from time to time being like, you know what? Maybe they're not as great as they think they are. Maybe they're losing their touch. And there have been times where I've kind of been like, man, other studios like Neon have been killing it. I'm super into what Neon's up to, uh, especially this year. They've just been making some of my favorite movies lately. But I mean, A24, 2020, 
They, they also made, I have to mention Minari, my second favorite movie of the whole year, close to being my favorite, right? They also did um, On the Rocks, which I didn't love, but I mean, that was a solid one. There's also Boy State, First Cow, Un- Don't Forget Uncut Gems. I, I mean, they, they've been consistently putting out great stuff over the past several years. So the Green Knight, you know, this was supposed to be a big one last year. COVID happened, you all know the deal. And we're now getting this quite a bit late. It's based on an Arthurian poem, right? Now, Alicia, I'll turn it to you actually, because you know, you know British folklore better than I do. And I, I can even I can even say, like for um, the the Pixar theory book that I wrote several years ago, I actually came to you for some like consultation on certain things that had to do with the movie Brave, because I I don't want to say you have a PhD in English, you know, stuff like that. Like I, I don't know what to call it besides folklore, but you know what I'm talking about. I have a master's, so that's close. In, uh, okay, in, I knew it was something yeah. really, imp- yeah, something yeah. really in impressive. literature, and uh, uh, yeah, my focus was um, uh, medieval literature and and Arthurian legend, and just you know, did a lot of folklore and stuff. So yeah, so the Green Knight is based on uh, the poem Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, and it's a late 14th century um, epic poem. And we don't actually know who wrote it. Um, it they, they've run it. There's theories about, you know, maybe half a dozen different names of who it might be, the historical figures, but we still really don't know who wrote it. But it's become one of the most um, famous pieces in the Arthurian legend canon just because it is so good. Like, it's such a fascinating poem that balances all sorts of stuff like horror and fantasy and the supernatural and Christianity and pagan traditions and magic and it's real it's funny too like there's some moments that are very tongue-in-cheek and sly humor and um and all all of that is wrapped up in kind of a um hero's journey morality tale so it's a really rich dense complex uh beautiful poem and it's I'm I'm it's kind of been you know touched upon like we've seen Gawain in different movies before but this and even though David Lowry really took some liberties, I think this is probably the like truest adaptation we've ever seen um, on screen. Well, I was and, you know, ask certainly you, in like yeah, because because Morgan Le Fay is in it, right? But do they take liberties mm-hmm. with that whole thing? Yes and no. So mm-hmm. they in the original poem or in the original like canon, Morgaus, who is Morgan Le Fay's sister, and she's also magical, but not quite as strong as Morgan Le Fay. She's actually Gawain's mother. But in the poem, it is Morgan Le Fay who kind of sets everything into motion. She's the one that she does it basically because she's in the in the poem, she does it because she's basically pissed at Guinevere and Arthur. And so she does it just to mess up their Christmas celebration. I mean, and like make him look <laughs> foolish. Isn't that kind of what this movie is doing? Or are you saying? Well, yeah. no, I think it's something different. I think it's something different. Okay. So okay. it's fair, fair. She, same thing. Like she is the one that sets it into motion, but the movie seems to kind of combine more Gauss and Morgan Le Fay into one character in this movie. Interesting. Okay. This, that's a really great way to get us started then on how the movie sort of picks things up, if we should say. And I, I'll, I'll admit, I have not watched the trailer for this movie yet. I've been avoiding the trailer because it's I didn't need so to watch good. it. I didn't need to watch it. And I knew that it would give away things that I, I was already sold. Right. I saw the poster. I saw Dev Patel with, you know, that like kingly armor, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm watching this. I don't need a trailer to convince me. And so I'm going to watch it after we record this actually. But it's just such a striking thing. It's this movie that I think 
people have been asking me about and telling me like people who I don't normally talk to about movies being like, man, I cannot wait to see this. Like, tell me how it is. Like for some reason, this idea of Dev Patel playing this classic Arthurian character and what I think I would consider kind of a tricky poem to adapt. I I kind of looked into it when I was writing my review, but I, it seems to me like some of the issues people have with adapting this poem is that it is pretty heavy. I mean, it's getting into some really existential territory. So let's talk about it. The poem, as you kind of alluded to, is anonymous, um, but it sort of follows the same beats from what I can tell. And Dev Patel plays Sir Gaw- is it Gawain? Gawain? I, I don't. Sorry. I, I say Gawain. So. Gawain, That's how I Ga- pronounce it. I've Sir heard people G. pronounce it differently. Yeah, <laughs> Sergi. There you go. He's the uh, he's the nephew of King Arthur, and this is a very different King Arthur. This isn't Clive Owen, King Arthur. He's not gonna he's not gonna Aragorn this thing. He's played by Sean Harris here, who I was not expecting to see in this movie. When he popped up, I was like, oh, that is fascinating casting. I think the last movie I saw him in was one of the Mission Impossible's, but yeah. So he show up shows up here as King Arthur, and he's like an aging King Arthur, very throaty, kind of talks and whispers. It's like very fascinating stuff. Uh, we also have this sort of like peasant love interest for Sir Gawain G, Sir G, whatever his name is. And we have his mother played by Sarita Chowdhury, who also plays Morgan Le Fay. Although it was, it was kind of like a slow burn to me realizing that, to be totally honest. Where the film kind of gets going is that, you know, like when we meet Sergi, he's kind of at this point where he doesn't feel like he's worthy of being King Arthur's nephew. You know, he doesn't, he, he's a bit of a drunk, you know, he hangs out at the brothels with Alicia Vikander's character, but he's hungry for nobility. He's hungry for fame. And so when the Green Knight, who is this emerald skinned, dark demigod deity creature thing, pops up on Christmas Day and challenges the Knights of the Round Table to a contest of sorts, a game of life and death. He accepts the challenge in exchange for an axe. Some things happen that we won't get into detail, but the end result is he gets a little bit of what he wants, Sir G, and the end result is that in a year's time, he has to go to this place called the Green Chapel where he will most certainly face his dark fate and it weighs at him, a journey must happen, and that's where this movie becomes what it is. It's a bit of a fantasy, I called it like a fantasy operatic uh, operatic epic. It's a lot of things. But Alicia, what did you think of this movie? Because I know that I've seen high marks from a lot of critics, and it's, it's definitely one that's getting some conversations going, but where do you stand on The Green Knight? Yeah, I loved it but before i go into that i just wanted to say because you were talking about you mentioned the king arthur movie from 2004 fun Mm -hmm, fact mm -hmm. joel edgerton who is in this movie as the lord he actually starred as gawain in that movie i didn't even pick up i forgot joel edgerton was even in the 2004 king arthur which is quietly an awesome movie i'm just gonna kind of say i really dug it i like that they tried to get a little bit more historical with it with it yeah, it's grounded. Um, but speaking of this movie, The Green Knight, um, I really loved it. I think David Lowry did an excellent job of translating it in a way to the screen that managed to still capture a lot of the um, fantastical and dark elements of the poem, but also kind of smartly excise a few other things. One thing I will say, though, is I think... <sighs> If people, are, I will caution that if people are going into this expecting your typical like sword and shield 
like medieval battle King Arthur kind of movie, this isn't that movie. And it's not about nope. Arthur. Nope. It is very much a slow burn hero's journey, like man versus nature quest. And that's what the poem is as well. So it may throw a few people, especially off their last trailer, which is excellent. But I think we've gotten so used to seeing King Arthur movies. And I think this may be why people are maybe hungry for this movie, as you said, is that we've had so many movies about Arthurian legend that were swords and shields and battles and fights and and this or the same like love triangle with Arthur, Guinevere and Lancelot over and over and over again. And I kind of mentioned this in my review that there's still a lot of uh, ground to mine in Arthurian legend. Hollywood just keeps going back to the same part of the well over mm -hmm. and over and over yeah. again. Merlin. And yeah. Yeah. And I think that with something like this, the, the excitement around it, I mean, for one, it's just a beautifully well-crafted movie. You can see that from the trailers. It has an exciting lead and it's A24 on David Lowry. So that automatically lends it, you know, film, Twitter, a cred. But I think broader audiences can be excited because it's a really fresh take on Arthurian legend and shows that there's still interest there and there's still excitement there and people do still respond to that um, canon. Hollywood just has to stop just repeating the same kind of stories over and over and over again. And so I think this does a really, really smart job of, of doing that. I really, I really love this movie. Yeah, I have to say, I, when it comes to David Lowry, I have been such a such a like big fan of how he kind of takes ideas that are a bit out there and he makes these really cerebral contemplative movies based on interesting premises. I mean, the guy made Peach Dragon. You know, that's his follow up to Ain't Them Body Saints, which kind of put him on the radar in Hollywood. You know, it wasn't a big movie or anything, but that movie got people's attention so much so that Disney got him to do Peach Dragon, which low-key one of the best live action Disney remakes and you know there's there's a few good ones there that's not saying uh that's not faint the faintest praise i can give it also makes a ghost story which uh a divisive film green knight you know it, it, he also made old man the gun i think that was what robert redford's like last lady man performance but or that he says he's gonna do right but green knight i mean this movie it just it feels like the culmination of this guy's career like this is the movie this like you know is going to be a stamp in the guy's filmography, you know, people are going to look at the movies he made after this as a reaction to him making this. And regardless of how I think it's going to do at the box office, and I do wonder if it's going to do much of anything at all because of what you're saying. I called this in my review an anti-blockbuster. It so much is getting away from the usual thing that people want out of spectacle. It's spectacle without the typical you know, things that we look for in action and adventure. There is action, there is adventure, but when Depatel's character is faced with a problem, a challenge, a tribulation, the solutions aren't, well, I have to be stronger than the other person. I have to beat them with a sword. I have to run faster than that person and get away. I have to do this, I have to do that. Instead, it is purely meditative and melancholic and it really is about something that more people can relate to because not a lot of us have been in these situations where it feels like our lives are on the line or we have to fight somebody you know we watch stuff like that because it's amusing but i think the true depths of a film like a film that's really going to change you one way or the other is one that puts you in a situation where 
you don't know what you would do in the other character's shoes and it's something you know that you'll have to face eventually because this isn't really about you know arthurian legend and you know stories in general it's it's kind of just about a dude a guy who has to accept the fact that one day he is going to die and he can't help that and i think this movie is just going to knock people's socks off i just hope you know like you're saying that people are going to give it a chance you know they're not going to come in feeling tricked by the marketing that's how i felt by it comes at night another joel edgerton movie i guess but you know in that movie was the same kind of deal where people were like well what is this this isn't what the trailer told me this was going to be you know it still had some interesting concepts and things but it just was so the other direction it didn't quite work i think this movie though i hope is going to surprise and delight people i hope that they're going to watch it and, and get something they didn't know that they wanted that's my hope at least I agree with all of that, but I will say that I slightly disagree with you saying it has nothing to do with Arthurian legend. It doesn't have well, to not, do That's not exactly what I'm saying. Maybe I missaid that. It it doesn't really it doesn't have to do with the the traditional parts of of Arthurian legend, which is, you know, Arthur and and Guinevere and Lancelot and uh, you know, the battles, um, Merlin, but it is very much about the idea of what it means to be a knight of the round table of you know it, it's not a battle of it's not an external battle that they're fighting in this it's very much an internal battle of not only man versus nature but man versus himself because it's interesting you know i interviewed dev patel and i said you know the character your character in the movie is slightly different than the one in the poem who is a little bit more pure of heart uh more uh naive more innocent definitely more chaste and his character it's interesting because he's he's almost almost the beginning almost borderline unlikable and because he is it, it's kind of interesting because it's not like he's framed as a knight in waiting who's just waiting for his quest to be great the real question is is he capable of achieving that greatness even when it's offered to him when the opportunity is presented to him because you know that is kind of the mark of a knight that that they have these quests and sometimes people fail they're literally they're just not up to the task they're not brave enough or they're not stalwart enough or they're not true or loyal enough and so that's the real question it's not if he can get past the green knight it's if he can get past himself and it for a good portion of the movie that's a real dicey proposition it's it's not clear <laughs> if he will and yeah. yeah like he's he's you know kind of like you mentioned he's he's kind of um he's a wastrel he's 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 kind of lazy he's kind of wasting his life he's directionless he does a lot of sleeping around with the with the uh commoner girl you know essel played by alicia vikander he just kind of he's kind of your typical like 20 something like lost directionalist dude and uh until his mom kind of slyly sets things into motion because she knows that her son has a greatness in him but the interesting mm -hmm. thing is that for a long time we don't really know if he does and there are many times where he's like <laughs> what through the quest he's like he hits like one moment of adversity and he's like well screw this i'm done i'm out i'm going back home and i'm and so it, yeah, it can yeah. be it's interesting so it truly is um, an internal struggle and i think that if people stick with it they're really going to enjoy it but it's not a, it's not a movie that spoon feeds you it, it leaves a lot of things, you know, ambiguous. There's a lot of um, symbolism that kind of uh, replaces uh, direct storytelling. And so I can see some people coming out of it 
really appreciating it, but being confused or some people that maybe went in expecting more of a like just punch him up kind of King Arthur, you know, knights kind of movie coming out of it feeling a little disappointed because they were confused or lost or didn't understand it. So it's definitely a movie, I think, to go in and just enjoy it for what it is, because I do think, as you said, this is kind of the culmination of all his movies. It is such a and this is a whole other topic, I think, but it's such a well-crafted movie. It's just top to bottom, just from costuming to cinematography to the sound design. Like it's just perfectly crafted, like in every single facet of the movie. So I think there's a lot to appreciate it about it if people don't go in with preconceived notions. Yeah, I was just about to get into that. So that, I think that's a great pivot there because this is one of those movies where like every single scene was unpredictable. Like I never quite knew what was going to happen next. And that was what was so thrilling. And, and and I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's like it doesn't get its thrills and excitement from like visceral action which is what we normally accept from these kinds of movies, I think. Instead, I think that it's just so appealing to me that we get a movie that is just like, I, I said in my review, it's like frame-worthy. You know, like you can pause this thing whenever you want and you just get this like beautiful, you know, imagery. I saw it on the big screen, so I couldn't pause it. And so that that aspect of it made me a little sad. But I, I so appreciate it, I think, um, the, to what you're saying, like how thoughtful and considered the cinematography is in a way that like it doesn't feel indulgent to me like it doesn't feel like it's abstract you know for the sake of it like david lowry is just sort of like padding time and just like oh i'm gonna put in this like sequence where these massive creatures are you know marching because i just think it looks cool it all has like a narrative purpose it's making Depatel's character look extraordinarily small and weak and pointing to the vastness of this world and it's so fascinating this movie is full of so many paradoxes like that where at once it's this gritty grimy grounded version of the medieval Saxon wilderness in a way that a lot of these movies kind of skip over we're used to Lord of the Rings we're used to these movies that sort of romanticize this period of history when and you know in reality, it was dark, merciless, and merciless, bloody, disgusting. And this movie gets that, but it also gets the wonder and the fascination and the awe that inspired these stories that got Jeffrey Chaucer to be successful creating these stories about these people in these situations and of knights and jousting and, and all these fanciful things. But yeah, the fact that David Lowry was supposed to, was able to like kind of adapt something like this this like period of time and capture the same feeling but then cr almost like create his own like cinematic language for this or i shouldn't say that because he didn't create a cinematic language but he did in a way sort of like create like a new flair of this subgenre that it feels really original to me i'm sure there's like a few films that have gone down this road before that i just haven't seen but whatever the case he's certainly innovating on this type of film in a way that like I couldn't believe after the movie ended that I had watched it and so I hope that's not overhyping it but you know as instead giving people just kind of like grounds for like why some people are, are going to react so strongly to this it is just like when you watch so many films it is just like genuinely exciting to be this like happy <laughs> like after a movie ends because you feel like you've seen something new yeah exactly and I think if anything the one 
I think if anything, the thing that Green Knight might suffer from is not a fault of the movie itself, but of audience expectations in the same way that I think Crimson Peak is one of Guillermo del Toro's best movies. I love it. I think it's underrated, but it didn't do well at the box office because a lot of people went into it thinking it was going to be a straightforward horror movie and they didn't understand what Guillermo del Toro was doing. He was making, he was taking a, an 1800s gothic romance you know, novel like Wuthering Heights or Jane Eyre, and he was putting it on screen, you know, telling it in movie format. He was telling an 1800s gothic romance. And a lot of people didn't understand that. Um, They thought it was going to be a straightforward, like, haunted house ghost movie. And that was kind of the marketing. And now, you know, of course, it it gets a lot of accolades, and it's, it's kind of aged better with people. But that might be the thing that I think holds the Green Knight back, like I said, is because people are going to go in thinking of it, it's going to be a typical Arthurian legend movie. But it is, it's it's not supposed to be that. It's a lot more meditative. It is a, like I said, it's a true hero's journey. It is, there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of the landscapes and, and the, the nature that it shows. It's not self-indulgent in any way. It's truly meant to be an allegory of man versus nature versus himself. And so all of those lingering shots, all of the, you know, the him trudging through rain and through the like that montage where he's going to just rain and mud. And he's just I asked him about it. I was like, you were constantly filthy. He's like, yeah, me and the horse. He's like, we were just soaking wet and cold the whole time. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it like that's part of the journey. Like part of that is just to show how grueling it was. It shows all the parts that you don't see in normal like hero's journeys you don't it cuts out like most movies tend to cut out all that stuff and it gets the hero from like point a to point b to point z you know and tells like kind of the highlights this movie tells all of the story in between and i think that's what's really interesting about it Um, absolutely yeah yeah and it's doing exactly what the poem does but that's a very different way it's a very different form of storytelling you know one that written back in the late 1400s and so it might be a matter of having to adjust expectations and know that like everything that's in this movie is exactly what he meant to put in this movie for a reason and it works yeah he didn't he didn't hold back and i think part of the justification for that is like we've already gotten the sort of like edge lord king arthur thing and that was the guy Ritchie, you know king arthur yeah. legend of the sword which you know, bombed. People didn't like it. I mean, there were some people who liked it, I guess, like Guy Ritchie stands. Some people even I respect who defend the film and uh, that is their right. But that was such a laborious, like slog of an action film. And it, I think compared to that, and it's hard to even compare the films because they're in totally different, like, you know, not just different wavelengths, but I mean, it's like comparing a radio to an iPod, you know, it's just so, you know, but I think more like the film that I kept thinking of was Len Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here, which is, you know, similarly a hypnotic, spellbinding movie. It puts you under a spell like the entire time that you're watching it because it keeps subverting everything before the next thing you see. And in a similar way that that movie sort of takes shots and deconstructs, you know, the typical action revenge film. I I saw this movie and I, I got that same sort of that's what this is doing for, you know, fantasy and in a very exciting way, in a very fascinating way. And it's not saying that that stuff is bad and that it's wrong to enjoy, you know, like an action blockbuster, like all that stuff is great. You know, I know you and I, we both love us some summer movies, uh, but that said, it's, it's just for me, 
it's always welcome to have like a director like you're saying put his entire self into a screenplay and really attempt to do something good and then it actually works because so many other filmmakers you know so many other films have had the best of intentions and they've they've put as much effort and work as they can into making the whole thing come together and then it just doesn't and then that's sad for everybody but this is one of those rare cases where i don't know if it's 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 a weird combination of unbelievable talent unbelievable luck and just like extreme effort on the parts of everybody involved i, I was seeing uh, alicia vikander in this and i was like this this is her best performance since ex machina it might even be better than her performance in ex machina which is incredible to say i mean Dev patel i think easily his best i know you know, I've loved him since Skins. You know, this guy has so much unrealized talent um, that I just think is like pawing at the surface trying to get out. And this movie finally understands what I think is so electric about this guy. And yeah, I just think like to what you were saying, I borrow a phrase top to bottom. This movie is a total winner. And I, I will say, I wonder what it would be like to watch it under like substances. Uh, so I, I'm not in, I'm not encouraging that. Or uh, endorsing that, but I, I do want to talk to somebody who does it because I'm very curious. Let's uh, wind this thing down, though, Alicia. What, what's your final grade? If you were to grade this movie, where would where do you think you would land? Oh, this is an A plus for sure. Um, I you know I'm I'm probably a little biased because again with my background in like Arthurian legend and being a you know in academia and literature and everything, I'm, I might be a little. I was just so excited to see this poem <laughs> adapted for a screen. Um, but I, I do have to say that it's an A plus for me because it's the it's the quintessential example of what happens when you have a director with a singular unique vision, but that understands when to edit himself, um, or that picks a genre that works within his uh, his uh, uh, tendencies as a filmmaker. When you have a lead actor who is more than up to the task of essentially shouldering an entire movie almost entirely on his own, which is hard to do and still is compelling on screen. And then a studio that is, you know, a creative team around that is that is that adds to it. And then a studio that is smart enough to, you know, provide some guide rails uh, and guardrails, but essentially step back and let a director do his thing, you know. And I just think that it all came together so well and it's one of the most exciting movies because of exactly what you said it's just it's something new and it's it's a it's a really well-crafted movie that you can see the time the love and the care that was put into it and i can see why this was meant to open south by southwest last year um, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. yep yep you can definitely see that um i also got a shout i want to shout out a few people um i'll first i'll say yeah i'm an i'm an a on this movie easily you know i i was bouncing between a and a minus what little nitpicks i could have with this movie are just so minor it's inconsequential i i you know we, we didn't even mention all the performances but I, I don't think there's weak performance in this bunch that includes barry kagan that includes ralph innocent i mean it's just so and many the fox the fox is a is truly a character and i was gonna mention too like i don't usually love aaron kellyman i you know i i yeah mm, as a person i'm either. sure I'm sure yeah. she's fine and nice and everything, but I, I haven't enjoyed her work in like Solo and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier personally. Mm -hmm. But and here I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like, this is such a great utilization of her skill as an actor. But also got a shout out 
such original music such wonderful music from daniel hart and i i'm already like you know searching far and wide i will go to the green chapel to find this soundtrack and i guess that's not the biggest surprise because i absolutely love the soundtrack for a ghost story i still listen to i get overwhelmed pretty often i literally listen to it on the way home from the screening last night um also peach dragon has a wonderful score as well and then also got a shout out um andrew Droz palermo who did the cinematography i mean i feel like we said such hyperbolic things about it and i still think that we kind of undersold it you know like the kinds of images this movie like there were so many times where i was like i i can see the one perfect shot tweet or you know for this scene and this scene you know there's so much of that so yeah fantastic movie easy recommend his strength was that he he was he's an excellent at framing um but he was also smart enough to know when to let the natural landscape do most of the heavy lifting for him which sounds like a cheat but it's not because it's surprising how many cinematographers don't always know how to do that yeah like there's even a a scene where we're just all it is is we're just watching dev patel on a horse marching away from a castle in the background and i'm just like I know that that's CGI, at least I think it is. My eyes could be completely deceiving me, but there are so many things about this frame that I can't stop thinking about as I'm watching it. I mean, it's just fascinating what he was able to put together here, an entire battlefield at one point being picked over by the scavenger as Depp Patel is just sort of gliding along the forest. You know, there's a pan shot, you know, involving a skeleton that, I mean quite literally took my breath away i mean it did get me a little too excited for what i thought the potential this movie could be because i was like okay we're we're going there aren't we and and, uh, yeah i won't give away what happens there but yeah I, i all that to say the green knight is such an easy film to recommend i'm definitely interested to talk to will ashton once he gets a chance to see it because if i ever saw a will ashton movie this is at least kind of close to it. So I'm curious what he's going to say about the movie. And I'm curious what the listeners are going to say. So if you check out Green Knight, I know we've talked a lot about people's reactions to this movie. We want to hear what you thought. Uh, really want to collect some opinions here and, and just get a sense of like what our audience might like about this movie, what you might not like. So hit us up via our email, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. This movie's going to be in select theaters this weekend. I don't know exactly how wide release, how wide this release is going to be. Um, All I know is that it's in select. And then I think in the UK, it's going to be coming out uh, next week. But um, that I think that's kind of tentative. Uh, I think it, like they might have uh, pulled it from the release date. So I don't have any. They, facts. they pulled it for now, I think. Uh, I think they pulled it for now. Okay. Yeah, I heard that that might be the case. So I apologize. I hope that uh, I hope that it does well. It's projected to make four million right now from its opening weekend, which that would that's not a lot. And uh, I hope it makes much more. But, you know, what are you going to do? So that is the Green Knight. And uh, oh, and you know what? Last thing I'll say, Rotten Tomato score. Have you seen the Rotten Tomato score? so far i have it's 94 uh yeah. percent right now dropping it was a 95 earlier and then yeah but hey you know that's not what matters that's what i tell myself i'm trying to find the budget for it um because i oh it doesn't say i was trying to find the budget just because i was curious because it when you say four million it doesn't seem like a lot of money opening weekend but in covid time and if it's a smaller yeah. budget movie that's still a pretty solid, you know, haul for a movie mm-hmm. of that size. 
Could be. I mean, I, I'm seeing here uh, 2,100 theaters. That's a wider release than I thought, actually. It's still select, um, but that's double like the, your typical limited release, which is usually fewer than 1,000. But I don't know. But also, Alicia, on Rotten Tomatoes right now, I can already see my Rotten... I can still see my Rotten Tomatoes score on here. I said, thank God or gods for David Lowry, and I stand by that. Nice. I would back you up on that. I support that. I support that sentiment. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.